Okay, so just before the break, I gave you the Coles Notes version of the three big stories in provincial politics that have emerged in the last, oh, 24 to 48 hours. Uh, there's a lot going on. And of course, that's the way it's going to be for the next seven or eight weeks, right? As we head into what everybody anticipates and expects fully to be a vote on May 29th. So, uh, the campaign unofficially underway. We're waiting for the writ to drop probably within the next three weeks or so. Uh, and then we're off and running. But there's so many things that are going on in the meantime, including the latest polling that comes out. This is a poll commissioned by the CBC by Janet Brown's outfit um uh, janet brown opinion research who is typically quite strong when it comes to polling uh, and if you go back through the accuracy of different pollsters and stuff uh, janet brown does very very well um this is dealing strictly with the city of calgary why because that's the battleground right we we pretty much all expect that edmonton will be an ndp win and rural alberta will be a ucp win maybe not exclusively but pretty damn close. Calgary is the bit of a toss-up and likely where government will be decided. At this point, NDP 47%, UCP 42%. And the way it breaks down is fascinating. So let's get some help on this with Dr. Lisa Young, who is a professor of political science at the University of Calgary. Uh, Dr. Young, thank you for joining us again. Always a pleasure. Happy to be here. Ah, this new polling. It's all Calgary. That's all what everybody's focused on. And rightly so, right? I mean, that's where we anticipate this election will be decided. Absolutely. I was so hoping that a pollster was going to focus in just on Calgary, because when we're looking at Calgary numbers in a provincial poll, the numbers aren't high enough to be confident uh, about how accurate the poll is. So this really does tell us that you know some of the things that we've seen in the provincial polling are, in fact, sound, right? We we now see that the NDP is running ahead in Calgary, um, but we also are able to break it down by quadrant, which lets us see what that might mean in terms of how votes translate into seats. Which is far more important. I mean, the, the, the 47 to 42%, very, very close. I mean, probably almost within um, you know a statistical tie. But like you say, when you break it down a little bit further, and we'll do that in a second. First of all, though, the thing that I found fascinating with this poll is if you take a look at Rachel Notley, her approval rating is at 45% of highly impressed voters, 30% low in terms of how impressed they are with her. Daniel Smith, on the other hand, is at 29% highly um, impressed. So she's trailing in that category by 16%. And when it comes to not impressed, she's at 50%, 20% higher than Rachel Notley. So it sounds to me, doctor, that leadership is a big, big issue here. Absolutely. And, you know, when we look at those numbers about, you know, not at all impressed with the leader, you've got to figure that those are voters who just aren't available to that leader's party, right? Right, yeah. And so what this is telling us is that half of the voters in Calgary are so unimpressed with Danielle Smith that they wouldn't consider voting UCP. And that, you know, in and of itself, I think, is a pretty startling thing. Um, and it really does suggest, you know, that that Smith is limiting the appeal of her party in the city of Calgary. Yeah, and, and undoubtedly. Um, now, as you say, when we break it down into seats, it gets very, very interesting because based on uh, Janet Brown's polling, the prediction here would be 18 seats in Calgary for Notley, eight for Smith. That's a pretty good spread. 
Absolutely. Um, and, you know, when you look at the map in the, the CBC uh, article, what you see is that North Calgary and, you know, part of the South are all orange. And that is pretty remarkable. We knew that the Northeast was going to flip almost entirely to the NDP. There was lots of talk about that. Mm-hmm. But Northwest Calgary, you know, the, the outer suburbs have been really very solid UCP territory. And what Brown's model suggests, and I've run some numbers myself this morning, and my numbers uh, say the same thing, is that Northwest Calgary is all going to go uh, to the NDP. So it's just South Calgary, you know, the the very southern suburbs and part of the southeast that are likely to be held by the UCP at this point. Interesting, and it really breaks down in terms of demographics to uh, NDP doing very, very well among women in Calgary, uh, leading by a full 10 points and uh, have the majority there. Absolutely. And we've seen that province-wide, um, uh, women much more likely to support the NDP, um, you know, uh, men uh, more likely to uh, support the UCP. We see that younger voters are uh, more likely to be supporting the NDP. But also 55 plus uh, in Calgary, uh, more likely to support the NDP, mm-hmm. which is not what we usually see. Usually, um, you know, age uh, predicts greater uh, conservative vote support. So there's something interesting that has gone on there as well. It could be that the Canada pension plan issue has has resonated. It's really hard to say why that is. Um, and, and we should, of course, mention that uh, we're uh, ways out from actually going to the polls. So these numbers could change based on something that comes up in the campaign. And given this campaign and what we're seeing so far, Dr. Young, I wouldn't be at all surprised if something did come up because, to me, as an observer, Premier Daniel Smith can't help but get herself into trouble. When we talk about this Podolowski call, I thought a week ago today it was over and done. She came out with... A lot of people didn't buy it, but saying, hey, listen, it now might end up before the courts with a defamation proceeding, so I'm not talking about it anymore. And then she's gone on to talk about it at least two other occasions, muddying the waters. I mean, is she her own worst enemy at this point? I really do think that in in some ways she is. Um, it, It seems to me that what's going on behind the scenes, and this is purely speculation on my part, but it seems to me that some of her advisors are telling her, look, You're not going to talk about this publicly. You're not going to answer questions. Here's your line. This could be in front of the courts. I can't speak about it. She gets a question and she just can't help but to answer. And, you know, they've continued to put her out there on her radio show and she can't help herself in in some ways. And, you know, this is where, you know, one of the the concerns I think that that some voters have about Smith is, is around judgment. And this is an example of why they might have those concerns. When we take a look at some of the other issues, Glenn, she's had a couple of candidates. The one um, in, I think it was Lethbridge, talking about the education that has now resigned and isn't running. And then she's got the Claire's Home Mayor, who I think there's a bit of a gray area on the comments she made about health care over the weekend. Um, we're not seeing anything that's going to damage her outside of her own comments at this point, do you think? Or am I, am I misreading this altogether? 
It, you know, it's it's really interesting. The Claire's Home Mayor um, is is you know has been uh, nominated as the UCP candidate in Livingstone McLeod, and um, she went on to a podcast um, that Theo Fleury had been on the week prior. So it's it's very much um, speaking to an audience of of the you know the the more extreme right in the province. And she made some comments that there's, of course, video of circulating where she was talking. She was sort of searching for examples of of, um, people demonstrating a lack of personal responsibility. And what she came up with was what she saw as a nurse in the healthcare system, that there were people, you know, coming in with heart attacks and, you know, they were making it everybody else's problem. And if only they had lived better than, you know, and taken personal responsibility, then they wouldn't be there having their heart attack. And it it came across as callous um, and, uh, you know, lacking in empathy. So I, I think it really sort of hit a nerve. Now, she wasn't advocating a particular public policy response to that, but it did speak to a worldview. Mm. Um, and it's a worldview that's not that different from what we heard from Danielle Smith when she was running for the leadership of the UCP and was talking about how, you know, uh, cancer victims should, should have taken more personal responsibility and not let it get to stage four cancer sort of thing. And, um, you know, th- there's clearly sort of a set of beliefs here um, that, again, haven't been translated into public policy stances, but I think do, you know, they, they may cause some voters to, to look and say, huh, are these my values, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Hey, I want to ask you, I've got Barry Morishita coming on the show at 1030 this morning, and I'm fascinated by this because I hear from people all the time, and I'm sure you do too, Lisa. I don't know where I fit. I don't feel like I fit with the UCP. I don't fit with the NDP. And I'm like, well, we've got a pretty, you know, clear option here, but it doesn't resonate. They don't get the votes. They don't get the support. What is it with the Alberta party? You think that just they can't get any traction at all. I think, you know, we have seen a political, a, a party system for the past four years that is is all about the two parties that are in the legislature. And it's it's polarized. You know, lots of people are, you know, strongly in favor of one party or strongly against one of the parties. And th- there's a sense that this is a high stakes election and that perhaps what's the most important in in choosing how to vote is not so much to vote for the party that's closest to your views, but rather to cast a ballot strategically for the outcome that you want to see. So if you're not a fan of the UCP, then the, you know, the strategic thing to do, I think, in the minds of many voters is to vote NDP, even if your heart is with the, the Alberta party. And that's just the logic of our electoral system at mm-hmm. work um, in a close election. And there's not much, I think, that the Alberta pol- party can do under these circumstances to to get any traction in in uh, in this two party polarized system. No, I think you're right. It, it it's it we almost are scared. I think a lot of people are scared to well, if I don't vote for you know, choose your party, UCP or NDP. I'm opening the door to, again, choose your party, UCP or NDP to get in. So I can't possibly vote for the, I have to vote against something more than I have to vote for something, which is sad. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think that's absolutely the situation that we're in. And, you know, the the other dilemma for the Alberta Party is not having any kind of base to grow from. Yeah. Right. Um, when Where we see um, third parties um, being able to find their way into the legislature in uh the kind of electoral system that we have in Canada is when they've got some regional base of support. Um, and you just, right now, the Alberta party, you know, it has some support in Calgary elbow because it's held that seat. You know, Barry Morishita is, is running in his home riding in the Eastern part of the province, but none of those translate into sort of a geographic base that they could use as a, as a way to get their foot in the door of the legislature, so to speak. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, Dr. Young, thank you so much for your time as always. We'll check in as the campaign rolls along.